0: This edition of How To Be A CEO is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharmadine Reed, Reid, Founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. 54 years ago, a couple of guys called Richard Block and David Quayle bought a disused cinema in Southampton and opened a store selling supplies to the emerging DIY hobby market. It wasn't a very big one at the time. Block and Quail became B&Q, pretty much because that's what everyone was calling them anyway. It's a business that's always known the power of a good use of initials. How grateful are you to whoever it was 20 years ago when the internet was first starting up that they thought, I'll I'll get DIY.com?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's an absolute winner. And, you know, I I must give, I I have no idea who did it between you and I, but uh, delighted to have it.
0: Graham Bell is today's CEO of a company that's part of the Kingfisher Group now and a household name brand known for its huge stores and retail parks around the country. But you don't survive that long without changing things up every now and again.
1: The customer doesn't really care about the concept of whether it's online, physical shop, delivery. They just want you to deliver the convenience and the products that they want at the time. And if they can get it brilliant if they can't
0: they'll go somewhere where they can't i'm david miles and so b&q has a long history but we want to know what it's doing now and how it's adapting to a market that changes faster than most people put new wallpaper up to get there though let's just go back just a little bit to graham's first day in the job as b&q's ceo
1: I don't know if you're aware, David, I was uh, CEO at Screwfix prior to that. So I was kind of looking across the pond and still knew a few people at B&Q. But, um, yeah, first day in the office here, as ever, it's one of those, even though you're coming in as the CEO, uh, you know, someone had to get me a access badge, someone had to take me upstairs and show me around. You know, it's like that kind of first day at the new school type thing. But you've got to kind of look very confident and come in with all the answers so I think in my first days, I would typically say to most people is come in and be very humble uh, and just be very welcoming and just trying to get to know people and um, I think in the first day my, my real focus was just getting to know the board and the existing board members and just really get out of them and saying look paint a little bit, give them a bit of clarity. Look, I'm coming in. I just want you to carry on running the business as normal because unless there was anything really, you know, desperately pressing, just let me kind of come in and understand. So it was more a giving them clarity because I didn't want to come in and chop and change. And then, you know, there's there's obviously the, there was a couple of issues that came up that we had to take a bit of action on pretty quick and just making a decision and that. But the first day... It's all about coming in, being self-looking confident, even though you're a bit nervous inside. Uh, but yeah, that, that was pretty much it, getting to know everyone, uh, getting the a good relationship with the PA, Vicky, which is uh, the lifeblood of the job, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. How quickly before you used your B&Q discount, Graham?
1: Uh, I'm assuming you get one. I do get one unfortunately. When I was at Screwfix, Screwfix employees being been part of the Kingfisher group. We had it anyway. So yeah, so it was uh yeah. It's amazing how quickly you shift allegiances because I would have bought a lot of stuff at Screwfix. Uh just because I was in and out the stores and where you end up buying a lot of stuff from B&Q because you're in and out the stores. <laughs> so when was it that you started? What year was it? So I started with Kingfisher in uh, 1988. I was with B&Q for about five or six years, then went to Screwfix for about nearly 12 years, ended up being CEO there. And I went there, it was just a little business that Kingfisher had just bought, uh, and then left
0: there and joined here at the very end of 2018. That's quite a year to join B&Q, 2018. You're like one, two years away from from a a lockdown. That must have been an interesting experience for a a company. I mean, did did B&Q see a lot of DIY going on during that pandemic? David,
1: I mean, it it sounds like the wrong thing to say, but I think the pandemic really accelerated our plans that we had in B&Q. And coming here in 2008, 2019, uh, we'd got ourselves sorted out. I'm a great believer in getting your top tier teams, So my direct reports, the main board, and then the director of the level below. We just got ourselves in a situation where we've got all the team sorted out, got the team in place with a clear plan of what we were going to do each year, a bit of clarity around how we were going to trade the business. And we were very confident in that. And 2019 was a reasonably good year for B&Q. Uh, but the pandemic, as ever, uh it really was a bit of a shell shock in the early days. Uh the latter days was probably more it 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 made us accelerate our plans by two or three years. So doing the the deliveries from stores, some of the investments we had to make in IT, to getting, you know, all the products online, pushing our marketplace because what we saw was customers obviously weren't coming into stores. So we had to, you know, we're doing a lot of shopping online. And it really gave us an adrenaline boost to say, let's push ahead with some of our plans. Our plans were good. We just had to do them quicker and faster. But I think the biggest learnings for me out of that was, um, it was probably one of the most challenging times in my life. Because I always used to say in retail, you know, we're doing a job, look, people's lives aren't at risk but there was a time there when people's lives were at risk so I think the pressure on the decisions uh, really were a lot heavier than what you'd normally be in retail and I think the thing we learned is we learned to listen more we got closer to our customers we got closer to our staff we've got our kind of people's forum which represents all kind of levels in business and we consulted in them closely, and I think my job really was, and I think it is a job of a CEO, you've got to learn to listen and listen well. Uh, you definitely don't have all the answers as a CEO, but you need to help listen and then obviously help steer a good answer once you've heard everything. And I think that time was, I'd say it was like being in a car race and all of a sudden it's one of them where you press the button and get the jets on, and we we accelerated and. Uh we were fortunate we were classed as a essential retailer and got to stay open. Uh so we traded well and a lot of people did up their homes. But I think it it got us to learn a lot about our customers as well and what was coming of the future. So that convenience, starting, you know, shopping online, valuing a company with credentials, knowing how we managed the COVID pandemic and conducted ourselves not just in trading, but looking after our staff and our policies and procedures. So it really did put some hallmarks down
0: for us. It sounds like you yourself, Graham, almost re-evaluated how you thought about B&Q. Is that going too far or is that true? I would have said it, it, it's not too far. I think it
1: probably would have been where I would have ended up getting in five or six years' time because it was a long-term strategy of, and I think businesses nowadays, you know, they're relevant at a certain amount of time and then they have to change. Customers' needs are changing, technology moves, you know, and, and it's going so fast. And I think what it did, it gave us a chance. I knew the business had to dramatically change. Uh, I mean, we were predominantly known as a DIY business. But if you look at it now, it's, you know, I would say we're more an omni-channel business with a web business, with a marketplace business. We've got a lot of DIY customers. We, we, we sell a lot to the trade. We look after our trade customers. We've got business to business where we supply councils and that. And then you look at how the business, you know, the, the paint, wallpaper, nails, screws and drills. If you look at it now, we do all sorts of things from, you know, high end security to high end lighting, furnishings for your home office and that. So the business evolves with that kind of customer concept of what they expect and and what they need so it's kind of fulfilling the customer needs and I do think that vision was probably there to 70-80% I just think it was finally honed in and what the customers were really wanting.
0: So, so when you've got that kind of turbocharged evolution of your business there through through circumstances outside of your control how do you keep it under Control. How do you stop it spiralling out?
1: Yeah, it's a very good question. Uh, If you were to ask my wife, it's a lot of long hours and a lot of meetings and uh, hard work. And um, I would say, this is probably my honest opinion, is I think during the pandemic, you could not get off with that now. Because it was a bit of sage mentality and people had a real purpose that we we were not only running the business, we were saving the business, keeping people employed and setting the business up for the future. And I think the way of staying in control of it is you, you, you've got to have people that you can trust. You can't do it all yourselves. So you've got to trust people, but those people have got a clarity of the plan or clarity of the vision. So I think you've got clarity of where you're all going and what you're doing and you've got a you're you're a sum of the parts, but you know you're parked then it's easier to keep in control, but it's regular communication. And when things go wrong, communicate them, get them up front, seek advice. I mean, I'd say we communicated with the National People's Forum every week during the pandemic, just asking them and communicating with staff in stores, uh, just making sure you were really at the coal face and knowing what was going on. But I, I think you can only keep in control by staying close to it and not getting too far away. Now, as as you come out of that, then you start to get a bit more strategic uh, and, and probably move away from the cold face of it.
0: Yeah, but as B&Q has changed, have your customers changed as well? Do they have different expectations of you?
1: Yeah, and, and I think the pandemic changed a lot of customers. I mean, there's a lot more customers now ordering products online, doing... My mum's 86, uh, you know, a couple of hours training on how to do a couple of things in her iPad, and lo and behold... She's ordering products from Amazon and getting them delivered at her door. So um, I think there's an element here of that. Customers were always going to change. I think the customer, if you look over the years, we've had change. You know, we've had the corner shops with the big supermarkets. The webs came online. Then it's fulfillment. Then it's convenience, you know, and then it's certainty. When I'm going to get it? How can I get it? And then it's just the ease of how they, they pay and get things. So... I think that was good. But what it did teach us was a lot of things about, uh, and it really helped us hone our mission that we believe everybody can improve their home for a better life. And that really became true in the pandemic. And I think we found customers really focusing because they couldn't go away on holiday, focus back in their home, you know, working from home, the office, the kitchen, the garden, being at home with the kids, you know, Toilet facilities, shower facilities, all of these things become very important. And I think people, you know, there's an old phrase where people really do want somewhere. And we, a lot of us are very fortunate in that we have homes that we can go home to. We can be ourselves. We can feel safe, warming up. And then, you know, obviously, there's some unfortunate people don't. But not really. We've got a big uh, charity coalition with uh, Shelter. Uh, and those sort of things really helped us focus in on our customers on saying, We are about the home, and what we realised is anything that the customers think about their home and do about their home is fair game for us to supply to them. So, you know, whether it's pets, your own dog, you know, they were looking for us to supply pet accessories, they're looking for toys in the garden, they're looking for, you know, all sorts of things in the home, home office, security. So it really helped us get a real view of where the customer was now, but was going to be going in the future.
0: Okay, time for the ads. Hit your follow button so you never miss an episode of How to Be a CEO. We publish every other Monday, but you can listen whenever's best for you. It's that time of the year.
1: Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves,
0: feel the warm breeze, relax,
1: and think about
0: work.
1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash loss. That's plushcare.com slash loss.
0: So obviously the customers have done, they've done their bathrooms, they've put the new wallpaper up. What is their priority right now? What are they coming to be in queue um, for?
1: I think we've got three or four big missions. We've got, and you know, you can particularly see them in the shopping baskets. You've got those customers who come in and they're just doing a bit of decorating. Whether it's a room, uh, they want to, and, and even in some big, new, modern developments, and a lot of these properties look the same, but everyone wants to put their own mark on them. You know, if we're selling farrow and, and ball, elephant's breath paint or whatever it is, people want an individual colour or an individual look that says, this is me. So you, you get a lot of those, or it's just someone decorating and repairing something. You will get customers who come in and do that DIY project at the weekend. It's a bit of timber. It's a little repair in the fence, or they're putting up some shelves or maybe installing something. We've got a lot of new products, you know, like the panellings become a, the wall panelling and things. So you see people doing these. We've got insulation boards and all these things. Then you start getting into the bigger projects. You've got the serious DIYers who are, really are, you know, We've got people who will attempt their own flooring, tiling and some bigger jobs and all that. And then you cross into things like kitchens, bathrooms, even extensions and all that. And then there's a real correlation between us and trade. And we've got, obviously got Trade Point, which is a trade brand. And that's a big element for us because I think as we see it in the future, customers, and I myself, I'll try and do some at home, but there's some things... I know I can't do electrical and plumbing, so I've got to get a tradesman in. So if we're going to be everything for the home, we've got to be in line with the tradesman as well as the us, just to give the customer a complete service. So customers are continually improving their home. And that's while that might just be sometimes a bit of maintenance, but I think customers always got this thing that they want things better or there's always something about how they're living they want to improve. Uh, and I think during the pandemic, we we saw a huge rise in people wanting more utility rooms, predominantly for their dogs. And that, believe it or not, we did a bit of research, someone to bring the dog in when it was wet, dry it off, or have that extra showering or toilet facility. So, um, and I think customers are constantly, because there's so much media available, they see so much, whether it's on TikTok, YouTube, on television... You're always seeing home shows and things and how people are doing things. So I think people get inspiration and ideas from that.
0: Does B&Q have to be where those customers are looking then? So do you have a lot of social media presence? Are you going on YouTube? Are you going on TikTok and making sure that when a customer is searching for DIY, they find you?
1: I, I think we need to be relevant. So what I would say is we definitely need to be online. So... 90% of our customers start all their journeys online. So you've got to have a good website and you've got to be good at at, at managing that website. Um, I think you've also got to be physical. A lot of customers, that's why we're opening our small format stores in in London. Uh, It's that convenience. Do I want to go online and order a paintbrush? No, I just want to nip in and get a tin of paint and a paintbrush. But I think they see it as an organic type of thing. The customer doesn't really care about the concept of whether it's online, physical shop, delivery. They just want you to deliver the convenience and the products that they want at the time. And if they can get it, brilliant. If they can't, they'll go somewhere where they can. So I think for us, it's a combination of having physical stores, online web, being able to fulfill products, but also supplying that services, whether it's trade or fitted services for your flooring and all that to give customers it's just they want convenience they want certainty and they want they want it done simply and easily but they may choose to be an online customer one day they may want to be a physical shopper the next but they just want us to be there when they have some When they select that mode of shopping, I think we've got to be there and relevant for them.
0: Those smaller stores are are really interesting because it's almost like going back to basics. It's like putting, you know, you were talking about the the corner shops and the small hardware stores. It's almost like putting B&Q back to where it began, I guess, rather than these big, big things with all the millions of aisles and the garden centers attached. What, what what made you think we're going to go and do that? We're going to go back in time? <laughs> yeah, I, I again,
1: it was predominantly customer driven. We had a lot of research from big inner cities, predominantly London and Birmingham customers. And we could see it in our own numbers, you know, in um, those relevant postcodes, our penetration on our web wasn't as high as areas where you have a store. Um, as much as I would possibly like to get some of those big stores in London, we knew we weren't going to get them. We wouldn't get planning permission for that space. And and, and a bit of my old Screwfix knowledge, we'd already done London for Screwfix, for the convenience, for the trade. And B&Q had already trialled one of these stores some years ago, and it was reasonably successful. Uh, so we trialled some more. And it was all about, we spoke to local customers. They wanted something that they could recognize with the brand and give them confidence. If I'm buying from this, I've got the confidence of a physical store. If something goes wrong, I will go there and get it fixed out. They could get the convenient products at a time and a place that suited them. But they also wanted access to all the B&Q, of what you said in that bigger store, all those products and all those services. So we've designed them with a the view that it's like a small store, but it gives you access to the complete offering of B&Q. Uh, and we found a lot of those customers. I mean, those, those stores have a higher percentage of click and collect. They, I mean, they'll be ordering products that that store doesn't stock, but they're coming from the bigger store. So it's convenience for them picking it up. But they also want that confidence in the brand. And we've seen a real tip up on our web penetration, so our e commerce sales and those postcode catchments round about where we've opened the local store. So I think it gives people confidence, brand awareness. And as they get access to all the services and that, uh, I think it's just a solution for big inner cities. Uh, And also people, some of those big inner cities, people don't have the same access to vehicles or their own transport and that. So you've got to accommodate how their lifestyle is in your model as well. So within walking distance or convenience
0: of deliveries. Talking about, you know, the concentration on evolving that online provision. But I was just thinking there, Graham, how grateful are you to whoever it was 20 years ago when the internet was first starting up that they thought, I'll I'll get DIY.com? That must be a... <laughs> <laughs> that, must, that must be an advantage.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it's an absolute winner. And, you know, I, I must give... I, I have no idea who did it between you and I, but... Uh, we must give them credit because, in reality, as as I'm sure everyone is aware, people just type in DIY sometimes to get found. and of course we're up there in the forefront. So DIY.com, dot uh, com, it is the the home page for our website. It uh, is our URL. It, yeah, it's fantastic. And uh, I can't claim any credit for that whatsoever, but uh, delighted to have it.
0: <laughs> but a wonderful lesson in all seriousness of looking ahead, isn't it? And trying to see what where people are going from this very small start to where it could be. Yeah. And, and, and I think if you look at customers
1: nowadays, um, I think you get Two things, I mean, predominantly me. people come on and they search individual products, but they get inspiration, they get ideas. And, and we have a lot of customers who come in and it may be starting off as a painting project, but they've seen ideas and all of a sudden they're they're paneling their wall and or they're putting up insulating board for, you know, soundproofing and that. Uh, and then experimenting and then if they come to our big stores or online, they can get inspired. Even in our smaller stores, we always try and... Let customers see all the full operating, but I think that web allows an individual access to as much of the world as possible uh, from their own home. Uh, but then you've got to match it, and that's the difficulty for businesses because customers sometimes don't want to leave their home. They want it delivered to home. They want it, you know, they want it fitted, and they want. Some customers do. We've got an older population that you know want that complete service of things fitted uh we've got a younger generation who may want to experiment but also want the confidence that uh younger they may just want to pay it and say you know "I i can afford x amount a month what type of kitchen can i get so i think things broaden uh i would say the web has definitely helped in it i wouldn't say it was instrumental in driving everything
0: so when you started in 2018 to where you are right now Obviously, things move pretty quickly, but are you where you expected to be? As the CEO of b and
1: Q, I'm, I'm very happy with where we're at because I think for me, I've got uh, a team around me that I'm very confident in, uh, very capable people, uh, and I've got stores and staff in B&Q and even our partners and our distribution centres. We're all working to clarity now. We all know what the end game is. We all know our part, we've got to play, and I'm very confident. I'm terrible for putting things in sport analogy, but everybody, if it was the rugby team, everybody knows the game plan, everybody knows the part they have got to play, everybody knows if something goes wrong, who needs to help. And I, I'm very, very confident that we're kind of in control of things now and we're getting fitter by the day. You know, and I think recently that's helped us, you know, the, the economy's not been in its best shape recently, but... You know, we've been as fit as we can be and we've benefited, you know, where we've been able to do things that we weren't capable of before. So, as I say, I'm very confident of B&Q, the proposition, the people, and, and very happy about, you know, how I, I always see my role as kind of three or four. First of all, i got to kind of satisfy the shareholders. For me, it's always then looking at our own people, make sure they're they're all good and you've got to look after them. And then if you're fortunate enough, you you can give a bit back to the community. And if you look at our diversity and inclusivity, we've, we're we creating an environment that's inclusive to all uh, and and we're getting great benefits from all the diversity that we've got, not just in our staff, but our approach to business. We're also managing, Um, we've got an apprenticeship scheme which has allowed us to give young kids who maybe didn't do well at school but they've got something to come in and learn but even older people and i'm continually meeting people in stores in their 50s some in their 60s maybe even their 70s doing apprenticeships and saying this is fantastic i came here for a part-time job but i wasn't great at maths but i'm I'm, it's given them confidence uh, and you get knock-on effects and saying you know it's really improved my well-being and all that and you know, my job is to deliver the numbers, the profit, and that's fair to you. But sometimes you get the biggest glow in your heart by hearing some of these internal stories about people and what we're doing as a community and, and the culture of business. Because I do believe if a business is going to be strong and it's going to be, you know, fit now and fit for the future, it can't just be financial. You've got to have a strong core. It's like that team. Culturally, you've got to be together and and be fit uh, and be able to help each other when you need to.
0: That was Graham Bell, CEO of b For more interviews, news and analysis, go to standard.co.uk forward slash business. How to be a CEO? We'll be back in two weeks. We'll see you then.